a long time ago. It's the ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parts and the great disturbance of the force. I told you she would never partially betray the rebellion. That's no move. Caught in a trap that's pulling us in. Marvel Comics Group, at last, beyond the movie, beyond the galaxy. Star Wars! This issue, the fate of Luke Skywalker. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas. Archie Goodwin is our writer and editor. Carmine Infantino and Terry Austin are our artists. Joe Rosen is our letterer. Janice Cohen is our colorist. And Roy Thomas is our consulting editor. Star Search. The planet is called Aduba 3. It is a backwater world. One of many of the galactic rim. Too poor, too distant for the Empire's darkest interest. The ship is the Millennium Falcon. To some, it might seem a battered, ordinary freighter if they had never smuggled spice on the Kessel Run or challenged the fighter of Sith Lord Darth Vader in the Battle of the Death Star. And thus begins Star Wars Volume 1, Issue Number 11. This was published on February 7th, 1978. We would see a big departure here as far as the core creative team of the Star Wars series, meaning we're bringing more folks into the fold. As you noticed, as a consultant to this issue was Roy Thomas. He is not the main writer, nor do we see any involvement of Howard Chankin in this one. So once we completed the six issue core series, which was the first film, and then went on to the Aduba 3 storyline, we're now going to see more talent from the bullpen at Marvel lending their hands into the Star Wars series. Han and Chewie are captured by space pirates, while Luke takes on a monstrous sea dragon. That is the encapsulation of where this story takes us. As we had started out in the beginning, we have Han and Chewie leaving a Duba 3 on the Millennium Falcon. They are then captured once again by Crimson Jack and this Crimson Jack character is very much based on the Thafford character from the Thafford and Grey Mouser from Sword of Sorcery that was done over at DC. Howard Schenken essentially lifted that character and the looks and turned that character into this Crimson Jack character. And we have his gang of pirates. Princess Leia Organa has been captured by the pirate while on her way to the Drexel system to find out what happened to Luke Skywalker. Jack intended to hold the princess for ransom. However, Han and Leia secretly devise a ruse to trick the pirates into taking them to the Drexel system by claiming that the rebels have stockpiled a treasure there. And this is Han and Chewie realizing that they have come up on this large pirate ship knowing that they won't be able to outrun it. So they just say, you know what, let's go in, let's dock the Falcon there and try to talk our way out of it. So that's kind of where we get to this state, if you will. Now, it's a surprise to them that they happen upon Princess Leia, but it's fortuitous as far as facilitating finding Luke. Meanwhile, on Drexel, Luke 
R2-D2 and C-3PO are stranded on the wrecked spacecraft floating in a huge ocean that covers the planet and are attacked by a giant sea dragon. And that's where we finish up this issue. Now, the pirates, although they're suspicious of Han Solo's plan, Crimson Jack agrees to get to the Drexel system and see where this lead brings them. So Princess Leia and Han Solo effectively demonstrate to Crimson Jack that there is a mutual attraction between the two of them, that they are in cohorts with one another, and that by having the princess on board, and by having Solo on board, that they'll be able to then bargain with the rebels and gain this treasure. Interesting story. You begin to see a difference in the quality of the artistry here. Howard Schenken was really beginning to capture the cinematic feel and look of the core Star Wars characters of Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, you name them. Now, by having this midstream changeup, really having Carmine Infantino in there, again, Carmine Infantino is a legend as far as comics are concerned. And he is a fantastic artist. However, just like any artist, he is going to put his own mark on the book. And he takes some liberties. They aren't objectionable liberties, but you'll notice a difference in how Princess Leia is portrayed, Han Solo, and Chewbacca. Terry Austin is in there providing mainly the inkings to Infantino's pencils. The strength in all of this, when you look at Carmine Infantino, is in the level of detail in the interior of the ships. He really takes his time to build out the complexities of what you would expect on board a spacecraft, particularly when we get into that pirate spacecraft. He provides quite a bit of background with computers, the pirates manning the various different monitoring stations and directional helm of the ship. There is a lot of detail work in the close-ups. He really is very good at conveying emotion. Carmine Infantino, very much like Jack Kirby, are masters of conveying deep emotion within their characters from panel to panel. I can't emphasize enough how critical that is, particularly when there's an economy of words by your scripter, to really bring the reader in and allow them to feel what is going on in that character's mind without there being a thought balloon there. And I think to his credit, Carmine Infantino does a fantastic job at that. The other strength in this by Carmine Infantino is the portrayal of space. This detail of the stars in the background and the mapping there, the engines firing off of the large pirate spacecraft, the detail of the spacecraft too from the exterior is just exquisite. The inner chambers where Crimson Jack is hosting Chewbacca and Han Solo and their banter back and forth, that is exquisitely drawn and is a cool series of panels to go back and analyze as you see this robot bringing food over to Chewie for Chewie to eat. Han is drinking out of a goblet. You have a heavy in there, a female soldier 
one of the pirates who is guarding Solo and Chewbacca, holding them at blaster point while Han and Chewie are enjoying the hospitality of One Crimson Jack. The other area that is extremely strong from a presentation standpoint visually are the coloring in here. Uh, Janice Cohen does a really great job in very tasteful selections of the colors. I never felt that the color selection was distracting me from the page. It was always complimentary. It made sense. The interior of the spacecraft looked great. There was not a mismatch, no weird hues or things that were just put in there for the sake of, hey, let's splash color in there. The color conveyed emotion and supported emotion. So where there was anger, there was a little more orangey or red background to happen. Where there was very calm conversation happening, a little more muted with regard to the colors. And then finally, when we get outside of spacecraft and onto a planet, they do a great job of Luke, C-3PO, and R2 being on this ocean-like planet where you have the sea creature there. Those color selections were great. You have a, like a yellowy sky there, so show some light and that it's daytime. The blues and the water and the greens and the blacks are really great. And the reds of this sea creature really pop off the panels. And it was so refreshing to finally get a book where we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 panels finally dedicated to what in the world is going on with Luke Skywalker. And you also have earlier in this book a recounting by Princess Leia of why Luke had come to the Drexel system looking for, scouting for a new rebel base. So that brings the readership up to base who maybe didn't take in the previous issues. You can actually walk in cold to this issue 11 and feel like you're caught up. So from that standpoint, this team does a very good job of allowing the uninitiated to the series to really dive in understand what was going on and appreciate what had happened previously. And the call outs to those previous issues were also very well done. You could have gone overboard and just recounted the previous books. They didn't do that. They dedicated four or five panels to catching the reader up, but did it with new scenes, which were fantastic that you hadn't experienced. So if you had been taking in the series all along, this was at least something new. This was filler story. This was augmenting what you already knew. And and again, very well done. All in all, very enjoyable read. Interesting take. I don't know yet how much I'm enjoying going back to this Crimson Jack character. I think I'm going to find that out here in issue number 12. But nonetheless, they've chosen to go back. And let's go ahead and take this one for the ride and see where we end up. And we would love to hear from you once you have read Star Wars Volume 1, Issue Number 11. Please leave us a message via the Anchor app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com. Obi-Wan, take us out. Your destiny lies upon a different path from mine. The Force will be with you. Always. This Marvel Legends comic book series is dedicated in loving memory of Charles Lippincott, who George Lucas hired in late 1975 to join the first Star Wars production as Vice President of Advertising, Publicity, Promotion, and Merchandising. To quote George, 
Lynch. Charlie was one of the founding pillars of the Star Wars films and phenomenon. He began in earnest the concept of licensing motion pictures at a time when only other company doing so was Disney. Charlie was the one who said early on that we can make this work, and was the first person to both develop Star Wars licensing and engage with the fans. He had insights into marketing and public relations that were truly unparalleled, and prime example of that is San Diego Comic-Con today. Charlie is widely credited for setting the trajectory of Star Wars fandom with his grassroots-style convention presentations beginning in 1976, well before the release of the first film. Those early appearances included Mark Hamill, who accompanied Charlie on a promotional tour for Star Wars, this barnstorming of conventions celebrating science fiction, fantasy, and comic books resulted in movie theaters welcoming large crowds of fans on Star Wars opening day, due in large part to Charlie's early promotional efforts. In addition, Charlie sought out the very first comic book and toy deals with Marvel and Kenner, now Hasbro, respectively. Two iconic legacies that continue to this day. Thank you, Charlie, for Star Wars comics becoming a reality. And that's what this Legends series is all about. The Force will be with him always.